The scripture for today's uh, teaching comes from Acts 26 through 38. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can, descri- who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This is the word of the Lord. Um, The high school I went to, and I don't know if they still do this at the high school or other high schools, but they had a senior prank. That was a tradition to pull off a senior prank. And uh, I would just say that when something big happens, people will end up knowing about it. Okay? So uh, when I was a freshman, the seniors, I don't know who did the calculation, but they were going to buy hundreds to thousands of packets of that powdered jello. And what they did is they put it in the school pool, thinking, oh, it's going to turn to jello, like, uh, uh, you know, cloudy with a chance of meatballs or something. Um, someone didn't do the calculations right, because all it did is destroy the pool filter system. Okay? So um, that didn't work. When I was a senior, uh, uh, there was a, a, a group of a dozen people, and in our quad area, they chopped down a really big mature tree, which doesn't sound like a very fun prank. Um, I, the Monday after, and I was not part of the, the dozen, promise, um, but the Monday after, they had done it on a weekend, um, uh, I was in zero period, it's the period before first period, as it, as it happens. <laughs> that helped everyone out. Um, but, but by first period, everyone knew who did it before the cops and before the administration. And the, the reason is, is when something big goes down, people are going to hear about it. People are going to hear about it. Information s- spreads incredibly quickly. Uh, why do I say that? Because in Acts, our series is called Scattered Church. So 
after the resurrection of Jesus, after the Holy Spirit comes on the new believers, um, uh, something happens because they're all still in Jerusalem and after Stephen gets stoned, after being in front of the Sanhedrin, something happens and all of these Christians get booted out of Jerusalem before the empire really didn't know about it because everybody hung around Jerusalem. And so we see this, we see Christians being booted out of Jerusalem and information about the resurrection, about the work of Jesus, spreads incredibly quickly throughout an empire. So sociologists have said Christianity is the, this bizarre sociological movement that has spread faster than any other throughout history, okay? And so what we get today and this afternoon is this little micro story of what happened when people were being booted out on the roads going outside of Jerusalem. So let me give you a little background of why this eunuch had gone to Jerusalem. Uh, th there's an ancient writer, a Greek writer, his name is Strabo, so he's not a Christian. I don't know if you guys heard that in your classical studies or whatever, and he is basically like a geographer, and he's kind of a travel log guy of the ancient world. And so he details all of these amazing places that you can travel to. And part of his writings really pertain to these ancient wonders of the world that also operate as kind of spiritual tourism. So if you are wealthy, if you are of a landed, materially wealthy class, you have the luxury to see these sites. Um, here's some of them. There's, and we did, went through this in our Corinth series. You would go to Corinth, and there's this massive temple about a mile outside of town on this hill, and it's basically like this massive brothel masking as spirituality. Um, in Ephesus, you had the Temple of Artemis, huge, and people would travel from all over to see, oh, what do you do? What, what does this religion do? What does this God do? And because the Greeks and the Romans, they believed in multiple gods, they would travel all over just to see, like, what it is that you do. What is the spirituality that you practice? Um, we have the same modern version now, is people from all over will go to Buddhist temples all over the world. Um, now we'll have tourists that go over to Hacienda Heights to see the Buddhist temple. Uh, we'll have, um, you'll go to Angkor Wat, you'll go to Machu Picchu, Ch Chichen Itza. You'll, you'll see these like, okay, what, what do you do here? What was the tradition here? Uh, my family was in Istanbul. People go to the uh, uh, Hagia Sophia. You're like, even if it's not my thing, I kind of want to see what they do here. I want to see what's the substance of their religious practices. Uh, uh, it's how we got one of Alanis Morissette's albums. You know, she went to India with a backpack and a train pass and a hole in her soul, and she came back with an album. Thank you, India. Thank you. And she was stripped down and minimalistic, and she realized, I don't need a lot of the things of life. Thank you, India. Thank you for showing me that. Uh, so here it is. The eunuch had enough wealth and enough mobility to make this trek to Jerusalem to see what is it about what they do. So let's talk about eunuchs. Like, why, why was this, how could this eunuch go? Okay, in the ancient world, and this is thousands plus years tradition, eunuchs were thought to be very, very trustworthy people. In fact, they would be made that way from early childhood. And the reasoning is this, is if you are a king and you have enemies, even in your own household, 
What you don't want is for those enemies to grow up and have kids and murder you or your kids to take your throne. So eunuchs were always thought to be really, really trustworthy because they can't have kids to kill me. Okay, so they were entrusted. They were entrusted with a lot of wealth, a lot of position, royal court positions. And uh, what they would do is um, they would begin to have massive influence over a kingdom. They could have almost any position they want. They could have investments and lands and riches. And we see that with Candace, queen of Ethiopia, who had turned over an enormous amount of her administration to this eunuch. And that's consistent. That's consistent with what we know about the ancient world. So he has position, he has power, he has money, he has freedom to travel. uh, And so he goes to Jerusalem. Now, when he goes to Jerusalem, he enters into something. And it's that Herod has built this temple. And you can run that clip, Bryant, in the background. But if any of you know anything about Herod's second temple, so not Solomon's temple, is Herod expanded the temple grounds and with massive beautiful works of architecture that that didn't even have a biblical mandate from the Old Testament. He was just beautifying everything around it leading up to it. And so, of course, if you have any familiar with Christianity, the Holy of Holies is the very center of it. And only the high priest can go into it. But then you have different layers. You have the holy place outside. Then you have the court of priests outside of that. Then you have the court of Israel outside of that. You have the court of women outside of that. You have the court of what they called um, court of Gentiles, which is basically court of nations. So if you're coming from all the nations for spiritual tourism, guess what? There's a place for you. You can go to that. Outside of that, let's just call it the parking lot. Of, of Herod's temple is there's another place called Solomon's Porch. So if you're part of the people of Israel but there is something really radically wrong with you, there's even a place for you, you can be in the parking lot of Herod's temple. So the eunuch goes to Jerusalem, oh, oh, let me back, like if I go to Costco, or if you go to Costco and you don't have a Costco membership, I will, I'll bet you a dollar that you can probably still get a hot dog in that little food court area. <laughs> You're shaking your head, you can't? You have to show the card? All right, I can bug someone else, I'll take your word for it. I can bug someone else to use their card to get me a hot dog and bring it to my vehicle if I pay them a little extra in the parking lot of Costco. Okay, I can do that. Um, you can go to SoFi and you can sit in the parking lot even if you don't have a ticket. Like if you want to do that with your day, that's awesome. So this is really interesting about eunuchs. Now, I am going to keep this extremely family friendly. If I was in my 30s, I would have read these verses to you, by the way. But in graphic detail, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, they describe who is not allowed not even, not even in the temple, any of the courts, but they're not even allowed in the park. They're not even allowed in Solomon's porch. You are just not allowed anywhere near the, sermon, the, the uh, temple mount footprint. So the eunuch goes to Jerusalem and he's not even allowed in the parking lot. Now, I don't know about you, but that would kind of kill your spiritual touristy trip because Ethiopia is a long way. 
But he knows something. He knows this. According to this religion of the Hebrews, I know for sure I do not belong. It's pretty clear there in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Oh, I am excluded from whatever their God has going on. I cannot be there. And I can't even be in the parking lot, much less any court. Now, I want you to get this, because here's the point. It is the very thing that makes him feel ashamed is the reason why he cannot be in the temple. Now, here's the point. It almost doesn't matter if you have the car and you got the house and you got the network of friends that are commensurate with your station in life and you went to the schools and you got the degrees and you got the wins and you got the advancements and you got the investments and you have been stacking up your money and you have awesome experiences of traveling everywhere. Now I want you to listen to this. Those things are almost immaterial. Because look at the eunuch. They're just almost immaterial to the conversation. Because it's the very, very thing that has clung to you all of these years. It's that thing that tells you this afternoon, you do not belong here. You don't. So whatever those amazing things are, it doesn't matter. Because I know something. I know that you know what has clung to you. And it clings to the eunuch. You know what we call this? You do not belong here. Brene Brown, she, she says that she says she studied shame for six years. I'll take her word for it. She says this, she says, shame is the swampland of the soul. because you know what has clung to you. You don't belong here because of that. I don't have to know what, how you're maimed. I don't, know how, I don't have to know how you're broken. I don't have to know how you're cracked. It's enough that you know. And this is it. In order to try to kill that shame that has clung to you and clung, clung to me, we tried to kill it through the accumulation of all those awesome things. We were hoping that maybe those awesome things would be a legacy of some sort to outweigh the shame that clings. And so the eunuch attempts the Hebrew God thing only to find out that his very shame is the thing that excludes him from being accepted. That's kind of harsh. 
but he scores an Isaiah scroll. Now, I actually don't know how he did this because Isaiah scrolls would go to rabbis um, and they're incredibly pricey. Think of books, how books were when they first started being made. Uh, scrolls are, are, are even more time consuming. So I, I don't know what he did. I, I honestly don't. I'm making this up. But he found a dealer to get him a scroll. I, I, I went on a Vegas trip with some guys, and we were in the Venetian. And the Venetian's near Caesars, and it was really cool. And, you know, the sky, the artificial sky, you're like, wow, this is great, Vegas. And, like, me, <laughs> you guys are going to, like, laugh at me. I was, like, I was, like, in that mall area. I'm like, oh, cool, there's a rare bookstore. <laughs> You're in Vegas, right? Oh, a rare bookstore. And I go in, and I'm geeking out about, what? They even have an original C.S. Lewis? See, he signed it in, the, in there. Ah, that's great. What? This is great. They're like, Tim, can we go? Can we go to the sports book now? I didn't gamble. <laughs> he scores a scroll. Now, this thing is very, very pricey. One scroll, Isaiah, and he's reading it, and if you're reading a scroll on the side of the road, that's quite the flex. That's an ancient flex. Whoa, you've got money, and you know how to read it. Whoa, and you're by the side of the road. Like, I don't know what limo situation you've got going on with your, but like, whoa, everyone, it's a flex. It's like a Rolex, right? Um, and so Philip, the spirit says, go over there, and, and Philip says, do you know what you're reading? And William read it for us. I, I want you to hear this. He's reading this. Okay, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its cutter is silent. So he doesn't say anything. In his humiliation, justice was not available to him. Who can describe his generation? What goes forth from him? for his life is taken away from the earth. Here's what the eunuch is reading, and I'm gonna paraphrase what we just read. There was a guy who got cut like me, and he just took it. And he's embarrassed, and he's humiliated, and he's got all this shame going on. And, and so the eunuch is reading it like this, and there's no getting over it. You don't rewind that mistake, right? You don't get that one back. And he has no family tree, and his name is obliterated, and he has no legacy. Here's a guy, here's a guy, and he's reading it. And he's reading this. He's like, here's a guy whose shame is bigger than his legacy. And the eunuch's question is this. He's geeking out over his scored Isaiah scroll. He's like, who is this guy? Who is this maimed one? <laughs> like, who is this guy? Is it the prophet? Is, it, is Isaiah talking about himself? Because that would be amazing. Like, Isaiah's talking about, no. Or is it someone else? Who, who? Because, and why does he say it? Because that's me. That's me. Whoever, whatever happened to this guy, like, that's me. He gets me and I get him. So what's really cool is Philip, it says, beginning with the scriptures, um, Philip told him about the good news of Jesus. And I don't know how that went down. So what I'm about to do is, I don't know if this happened, but if you were just gonna do it with the Isaiah scroll, that's all he had. <laughs> so he wasn't like, oh, here, I have the message by Eugene Peterson, you should, I love this. I don't know why he would talk like that. But he just had an Isaiah scroll. 
So do you know what he did? He was just like, bro, bro, scroll, uh, roll over it. Roll, roll up a bit. Roll, roll over to Isaiah 53. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. Offspring? What? He was cut and crushed. How does he have offspring? He shall prolong his days. So whatever happens there, when he rolled the scroll over, he was like, oh, he takes care of the shame and he builds a legacy somehow. What? Tell me more. Roll the scroll, bro. Roll it over. Roll it over. Just, just a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. It's Isaiah 54. They didn't have enumeration, so, you know, let's find it. Let's find it. 54. The children of the desolate. That sounds like a eunuch. Someone who's crushed and destroyed. Will be more than she who has many children. Roll the scroll over, bro. Roll it over. Yeah, it gets better. It gets better. Roll it, roll it, roll it. I got this side. I got this side. Move over. Isaiah 61. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. You know that man? You know that scarred one? You know that maimed one? He is the God of the Hebrews. You know how you just came from Jerusalem? Let me just tell you, the veil was ripped in two. They don't, they, they don't even know it. He himself was the sacrifice, right? And, and you have a name, eunuch, because of him. You have a name because of the cut one, because of the shamed one, the humiliated one, the one who had no blemish. All the blemishes were put on him. Did you know that? And you have a name that is not attached to all your busy, 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 busy acquisitions. And you have a name not attached to all the parts of your soul that cling to you and give you shame. And you have a name attached to the one that gave up his name so that he would have an indestructible name, Philippians 2, a name above every other name. Now let me highlight one thing. We need a shame killer because what clings to you and clings to me pops up and starts talking. And we need a shame killer. You know what's interesting? In the book of Romans, did you know that forgiveness is only mentioned two times? Like the book of Romans, in the book of Romans, the good news isn't described in this way. Look, I just want to tell you guys, there's no paddling. You're not in trouble. And I know God was really angry, and I, I just want to assure you, there's no paddling. You don't go to the principal's office. Is that a shame killer? No, not according to Romans. You know what a shame killer is? It's described in terms of honor being heaped upon your name and head over and over and over again. Adoption, inheritance, son, daughter, royalty, honor, honor, honor. You are honorable. 
You are, he has given you a name, and it is honorable. You are the good, honorable miss or mister. That's a shame killer. Uh, it's, it's about gift. It's about position. It's about inheritance and mission, and, and it's about a legacy. It's about a legacy. The individual who has no power to change our names, and this is, this is from 1 Peter 2, whoever believes in him, and he's talking about Jesus, will not be put to shame, and this is the part, so the honor, the honor is for you to believe. That's the honor. Shame tells you this, I am the mistake. I am the shame, and I do not belong. I don't belong, I, I don't belong here, and I don't belong in this group, and I don't belong in that group. I don't belong. I just feel like I don't belong because of what clings. And God tells you your name will be true because it is your name that is in Jesus who gave you the name. All right? There's a question that's lingering, and just in my experience, is um, with those waiting to die, especially like in hospice, and there's this question that comes up in different ways, and the question is this, will my legacy be bigger than my shame? And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell myself, we have a legacy that is bigger than our shame. And his name is Jesus, the shame bearer and the name giver. You have a legacy that is bigger than your shame. Let's pray into that. Our Father, our God, um, it, you have made a way by your own son. We didn't make the way. We didn't, we didn't even think we were doing it properly and we knew intrinsically and internally that our shame was too much. So fill us again with your honor that is given to us and as you give us a name, would we make your name great? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We said um, we're in this series, uh, The Scattered Church. So Jesus scattered himself to gather a people. And you know what's really interesting is, um, you know, because of the pandemic, we probably... We'll wait a while before we do this, but there's this great image in, in the bread. And there's this great image that when people come forward, he says, um, this is my body which is for you, take, eat. And there's this great image. And, and just watch it. It's getting picked. It's getting picked. This is my body, which is for you, he says. And it's just getting picked. It's getting scattered, isn't it? Picked. What's it, what's it doing to the loaf? Anybody know? Can you say, Riley? What's happening to that loaf? Picked. Picked. It's getting scattered, isn't it? It's dying. That picture is dying. You're not going to eat these. We have new other ones under the other. <laughs> see that picture? But this is what I want you to see is in its scattering, because we're going to partake, what does it do? 
it gathers us by his spirit. Do you see that? What a beautiful, beautiful picture. So we should just ask a simple question. Um, Who's this for? How do I know this is for me, Tim? How do I know this is for me? Well, two things, two things. You can know this for yourself. Oh, I identify with the maimed one. (laughs) I identify with the maimed one. Two, I identify with all these other people that he has also brought to himself. But if you can't say that, it's not for you. So, on the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and after giving thanks for it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is for you. Take, eat in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink of it, all of you. For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim his scattering until he comes. Would you pray with me? Our Father, would you take this picture in the bread and the wine and the juice and would you use it to unite us again, our hearts to you and our hearts to each other. We pray this in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.